You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. you're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast with me Hamish Carton. On today's show we'll be looking back at the opening weekend of the Scottish Premiership season and also the League Cup first round ties that were played over the last few days. We'll also be previewing both Celtic and Aberdeen's crunch European qualifiers as well. On top of all that we'll have all the latest news from Scottish football. Joining me to discuss all that and probably some more are Callum Fisher, Connor Park and Matt Finlay on the phone, as well as Lewis Kemp. A very tanned Lewis Kemp. Was that a good holiday for you, Lewis? Yeah, it was a nice wee two-week break. Had a nice wee time and uh, went to a Bordeaux match, Europa League. It was it was an experience. How did that go? How did it compare to the old Scottish football that we all oh, know no, very well? It doesn't compare very well. Uh, Scottish football is, uh, is the only, only love for me. Well, hopefully you're back and uh, get a fire in the belly for the new season again. We'll start by looking back at the opening weekend of Premiership action. Celtic kicked off the new season on Saturday lunchtime by unfurling the championship flag and then beating Ross County 2-0. It was a fairly routine opening win for the champions, however the big talking point was referee Willie Collum's decision not to send off Craig Gordon when he fouled County's Jackson Irvin. It all centres around the the goal-scoring opportunity debate. Straight away, do we think uh, Willie Collum was right not to send Craig Gordon off? Eh... No, I thought. I mean, I personally thought he should have been sent off. Um, I think. I think just 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 seeing the highlights. I think if you look at it, I know what the what the fans thought he should have been sent off. Um, I mean, the argument is that you know, uh, Goey wasn't the last man. Uh, Van Dyke, you know, would have got ahead of him, but. Um, you know, for me, when Irvin gets past Gordon, I think the ball's going to only go in one place, and that's the net. Your your thoughts, Callum? I think um, it's, it's it's a difficult one because as he is going around the keeper, you've got I think it's Van Dyke covering back. Um, whether or not he's getting back onto the line to stop the ball, I think um, is where you can really decide whether it's a red card or not. I think if Irvin gets past Gordon cleanly um, with any sort of pace on the ball, that's a goal for yeah. for Ross County. Um, it's kind of similar to but obviously a bit further out to what will come on later in the Hearts game with Nicholson for their penalty. Um, although St Johnson did have two men on the line, it's an interesting point. I actually think there is a bit of similarity between them in the way the kind of fouls were yeah. were committed. I think that's the way the way you you judge if it's a sending off. Um, as Neil McCann actually pointed out on Sky, Van Dyke's not getting back, so therefore if Irvin gets past Gordon, he's essentially got a sort of clear shot on goal, which yeah. is denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. I think sports scene. We'll come on to them later, but I think the way they showed it. Um, I thought actually it made me look at the game I thought straight away that's a red card and they say your first impression is quite often the right one Um, looking at the highlights later on again I I can't help but think that it was a red card I thought he goes through it's always easier when when Irvin goes to ground you think oh Van Dyke was covering him because the way Van Dyke's moving and Irvin's stopped moving you've got to remember if if Irvin goes past him there 
he's got. It was similar to remember the goal Samara scored at Ibrox. It was similar to yeah, that in many that, ways. Past the keeper, and I think yeah. I don't think I think it was Davy Weir on that occasion. I don't think Van Dyke was getting getting back. It brings up an interesting argument though. Should the referee take the player into account that's going through? It's obviously different if it's Ronaldo going through as opposed to Tam Scobie. Well, I don't think so because the the goal scoring opportunity, whether it be Ronaldo or Tam Scobie, um, is still it's still the same opportunity. Um, albeit a different player so if it's Irvin goes past there if it's a different player it's still the way the ball's going and the way the player's moving um, it's still essentially going to be the same sort of chance so I think in this situation um, you know I, I think it's it's similar no matter what player uh, it is How did you see the incident Matt? Um, I thought he should have been sent off um, having looked at um, the highlights over and over again um, I think um, he's got a clear opportunity. He could have taken a few touches and ran at the goal and then put it in the net. He could have hit it first time and he would have scored. So I think I, th- I think he should have been sent off. I think um, Willie Collins not had the best start to the season. Did we did we think that it was a foul on Jackson Irvin? Connor? I, I think um, it was a foul, but part of me looking at it kind of goes with the opinion that he knew what he was doing in many ways. He knew if he... he as much as Craig Gordon made the contact with him, he made the contact with Craig Gordon to, to try and draw the. You've got to query the then why he went down. If he's in and goal, I know he's going a bit wide, but he should still. It's a, still a massive goal scoring opportunity for me personally. That, that that does come into it, but if you're thinking you're going to get, he's all of a sudden in his head. He's thinking he's getting Craig Gordon sent off. Maybe you know. I don't know what's in his head. I don't think he's deliberately out to do it, but I do think partly in his mind he'll be aware that. He's running through on goal. He's got a goalkeeper coming towards him, and if he can kind of, um, he didn't dive because it was contact. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, you know yourself. If if you're up against somebody, your leg can create as much as him. But he knows it would look worse if he on Craig Gordon, especially if you're running at speed as well. And then he's he's had to quickly alter his direction, which he has to do to try and get round Gordon. You know that would then bring him down um, as much like dip it even if there is a little bit of contact or the impact from Gordon isn't as bad, that's still going to bring him down. So for me, it was a foul. Right, well, well, we'll leave that debate there for now. It was goals from Lee Griffiths and Stefan Johansson that gave Celtic the victory, the Norwegians' third of the season already. What did we make of Celtic's opening day performance? Uh, I think the first half, you know, Celtic completely strolled the game. Um and then the second, you know, they kind of switched off. I think. I think the the fact that they had that two goal cushion, I think, was was the reason for that. Uh, Tierney played very well for sixty minutes. You know, Commons was was impressive when he came on, and, and Van Dijk, I think, was the was the star man for uh, Celtic. But, um, I think it's just something to point out. I think without Beaton, I think Celtic really kind of struggled without him. I think he's really central to everything. Everything Celtic tried to do under Dyla. He's a class act, beat on. Uh, I was talking about him in the season previous, saying I think he'll be player of the year. Yeah. You mentioned young Kieran Tierney there, who was very impressive on his, his home debut. A player that played uh, against St Johnson near the end of last season, and I wasn't impressed with him at all. I thought he looked off the pace. We saw him play, in fact, the three of us saw him play in a pre season game as well against uh, Dimbosh when he again looked off the pace, but, but Saturday he looked excellent. Yeah, um I mean, I mean, last year it was similar with uh, McGregor, who was coming through at that time. Um, and then when he started performing you know, poorly, he was kind of dropped. And I think because Celtic have you know that strength and depth, they kind of they can afford to drop you know younger players, which is I think is a kind of wrong thing to do. I think um, 
you know, you've got with Jackson Irvin, you know, wasn't really great with Celtic, but was never really given a proper chance. And you know, he was fantastic for Ross County out the weekend. Yeah, you're you're stealing my next question Sorry. there. <laughs> he, he did look impressive for Ross County. Are there any positives they can they can take from that game? Going forward, they looked they looked quite good. There's one chance that sticks in my mind really is, is Ricky Foster's shot forced a good save from Gordon. That's late on. Um but as you say, Jackson Irvin I think was probably the, the brightest point um for for County. He looked really lively, caused Celtic problems um on, on certain occasions when he ran at them, obviously the, the biggest one being what we've just discussed with Craig Gordon. So there are positives and I mean I think I think County could do quite well this season I think you know aiming to try and compete for the top six isn't uh, without without their uh, out with their reach rather well we'll talk about Celtic's forthcoming game against Carabag later on in the podcast so stay tuned for that meanwhile on Sunday Hearts opened up their Premiership campaign with a thrilling 4-3 win against St Johnson at Tynecastle. new signing Juan Ma opened his account for the Jambos early on after a slip from former Hearts defender Brad Mackay Jamie Walker doubled the home size advantage when he followed up after Osman Sword had his penalty saved before Simon Lappin pulled one back. Then Callum Patterson, a man we heard from in last week's pod, restored Hearts' two-goal advantage to make it 3-1. And then the drama really started. Two goals in two minutes brought the visitors level. First John Sutton, then Graham Cummins. However, it was to a win for the Championship champions in opening day as Sam Nicholson finished well from a Patterson cross. Did any of you see that game? And if so, what did you make of it? I think Hearts started um, sort of slowly, not quite um, as quick or as, uh, you know, the the pace of their game uh, wasn't quite what I'd seen certainly last year in the Championship, but obviously it's going to take um, a bit of time maybe for them to readjust to being back in the top flight, but I thought when they, when they got going they were good. I think defensively they looked a bit suspect, I think, you know, Ozturk is maybe getting used to having another defensive partner there because obviously when you've got well, the consistency that Hearts had at the back with Wilson and, and Ozturk has obviously been broken up with Wilson going to Rangers and I think maybe Wilson was the sort of was the leader in that back four um, obviously as he was captain and was maybe the one that with Ozturk was the one that led um, like that dictated how they played um, defensively whereas now it's up to Ozturk and I think we, you, you could see that on Sunday that there was um, a bit of frailty at the back um, St Johnston though I thought were, were, were quite good and, and did well to come back from 3-1 down at, at Tynecastle and were unfortunate maybe but I, I think Hart showed really what we all expect that they will be up certainly within the top four um, in, in the league Were you surprised with how poor St Johnston were defensively Matt? They don't usually concede many goals only 34 last season it's the third best in the league last year are there concerns there for Tommy Wright? Um, definitely, I think um, I, th- I think it was more. To be fair, I think it was just the Hearts' attack was just so good. I don't really think they could have done much. I mean, obviously the the miss up with the first goal, um, they were a bit unlucky with the penalty as well. But they are they are a good team, St Johnson. We know they're a good team in the at the back, and I think um, this might have just been a mishap. Yeah, uh, St Johnson were missing a few few players, so that might explain uh, why you know they played like that. I think just what the game, it was a really bizarre kind of game, really to be honest. Um, I thought Hearts were very good going forward, but um, again, I th- you know, it's a step up obviously from the championship, as you said. Um, but I think um, Hearts maybe maybe more kind of more worried than St Johnson defensively because you know St Johnson arguably that's 
it's one of the worst you know front lines in the league arguably it, as I said earlier it took Hearts a wee while to really get used to being back in the top flight the the tempo of the game's quicker um, that's certainly something I've noticed uh, from obviously watching the championship a lot last year was that the the tempo um, in, the, in the top flight is a lot quicker and I think that it took as I said it took Hearts a while to get used to that but once they did they showed that they do belong back in the top flight um, I think even I mean it's the same sort of thing with the St Johnston goal you know with Brad Mackay slipping it's a moment it's a it's an error it's it's not likely to happen a lot and it's the same thing when, when Hearts conceded as well with Alexander um, the ball comes in it's probably something that he's being an experienced keeper he's got half his, his mind on right, I'm catching this and then what am I doing with it and then he's obviously you know he's, he's let go of the ball but these things happen I think it was just the, the nature of the game it was a bit to and fro and um, I think though there are there are issues at the back with Hearts but I'm fairly confident for them that they will sort them out Are St Johnson the stoke of this season do we think? Those long throws Yeah the long throws well, like if, Shaughnessy If you can I mean that's probably the main area that they exploited Hearts was in the air and you know Sutton in there Alexander came off his line and wasn't exactly commanding never really has been in my opinion as a goalkeeper coming off his line um, so you know you use things like those to your advantage uh, when you can Callum Patterson was a standout for the Jambos at right back how important are the likes of Patterson and Nicholson going to be this season? I think they're um, vital overall um, and it's important that you know, that although they've got a, a decent squad that they've, they've built up, but it'll be important that these players are, are able to play majority of matches. Um, Nicholson, in particular, I think going forward is, is something that is just a wee bit different. He's got, he's got skill and pace, and he's somebody that can kind of cause a kind of catalyst to events in many ways because it's, it's him going forward that can excite that crowd and can really, you know. It works hand in hand having kind of pacey, experienced players. I remember, you know. Um, when I tested a match at Tynecastle last year, like say Osmond so bombing down the wing and that whole kind of stand. Osmond so bombing down the wing. I did, and Zfook did it as Begin well. Ask. Zfook did it as well, and one of the matches I saw, and and you just think, you know, it was the crowd. You know, they were all up behind. It was like I know it's it's hard to describe, but in many ways they were pushing it on as much as the players were. And it's something just works hand in hand for me, um, and. They've been there a while now as well, so they've got a kind of connection with the supporters as well, mm. which is always important. It's always good to have players in your squad that that have that kind of link and, and ones that that kind of have the fans have an affection, but the players have that kind of same. It's, it's, it's it goes it goes hand in hand. I think um, going forward, just to to touch on that as well, when Sam Nicholson and, and Jamie Walker in particular, Hearts have got two of the best forward going players probably out with Celtic um, in the league, and I think they're two two players that you know in a year, two years might not be at Hearts and might have moved on to bigger things. I certainly think um, that's that's a possibility for the two of them and I think Nicholson in particular showed it yeah, uh, Sunday. Well, you were talking about the crowd there, Connor. Over 16,000 in Tynecastle on Sunday. Is it good to have them back in the league, Matt? No, definitely. definitely. It's good to see them back. I think um, they've brought a bit of excitement last year um, and the fact that they're, it looks like they're going to probably sell out most of their games. I think their, their fans have really taken to them since they've since they were well, pretty much relegated from the Premiership a few years ago, so no, um, they're a good, they're a good attacking side, and early early expectations is that I think they're going to do fine this year. We all tipped them heavily last season. I think we all agreed they'd finish third. Did anything you saw on Sunday change that opinion, guys? 
No, I don't think so. I, I think going forward, they've showed obviously with, with the four goals that they will be a threat and dangerous, and, and that carries on from last year. I think the point that Callum made is very right about about defensively. Um, I, I don't do. I don't really think it's a major issue at, at the moment, though. Um, in terms of you know that's one game. Don't get me wrong, Robbie Nielsen, I'm I'm monitoring it closely, um, but overall, unless we get to a couple of weeks down the line and, and they're still shipping goals like they are, I, I wouldn't expect them to act you know too harsh on it. But it'll be a point that it'll be enforced throughout the week that you know get tighter and, and defensively they just need to be a wee bit stronger. But I think overall for a first game back, which can often be the game that kind of slips you up when you've got that expectation and, and it was obviously the flag getting unfilled. It was a big, big day. Um, they came through, they got the win and, and they made a, a, a fairly decent start to, to their Premiership campaign. We've got a tweet here from Tynecastle Tales on Twitter. He or she wants to know the panel's thought on Juan Ma's debut. Not really touched on the Spaniard yet, but it was an encouraging start for him. I thought he was he was brilliant for Hearts. Um, he he got stuck in. Um, he put himself about. Obviously, there's sort of cliches that I'm using there, but you know everyone knows what I mean. He he took his goal well, um, and he he just looked to be a, an absolute nuisance for the St Johnson defence. And I think we said it, or Connor said it last week. From what he's heard, he's a player that he's got the ability where he might not be at Hearts that long because of how good he is. And I think you know it's it's early days yet same as it is for for Nicholson and, and walking in the top flight in terms of you know what we can expect from them but for me I thought he was certainly one of Hearts best to you know best player um on Sunday impressed with him Lewis uh, yeah yeah he offers them something I mean just that front line in general so and Wanma um will be quite formidable in the, in the weeks to come I think and I think that's I think that's Hearts strength really more so rather than you know rather than the defence I think uh, going forward they'll be They'll be tricky for a lot of a lot of teams. I think when you've got players like Gavin Riley coming off the bench, it can only be good for for Hearts as a club. Um, he may one way then may have impressed the panel on his debut, but not everyone was quite in favour of him. Uh, former Hearts man Brad Mackay, who we mentioned earlier, had some very strong words to say about the striker. He's a typical foreigner. He gets touched and goes down. He was holding the back of his head, rolling about the place. He'll win penalties and free kicks in dangerous areas, but I don't think he can keep that up said Mackay. The Hearts fans will get on his back as well. He did well with a couple of their goals, but I don't think they appreciate him going down so easily. I don't think anyone does in Scotland. Are they fair comments from Mackay, Matt? Absolutely not, especially that last one. Um, I think um, the Hearts fans are already going to take to him. Um, he was impressive throughout. Um, I think I think Brian Mackay's just a bit, a bit peeved at the fact that he made a mug of him, to be honest. Um, uh, I've from what I can see, he's a he's a very good player, and um, and he, he does he does the job. I mean, I think that's what Hearts need um, someone that's gonna that's gonna go down and, and do these things. And you know, if if the Hearts fans are happy with that, I don't see I don't see how it's gonna stop. To be honest, let's move on to the later game on Sunday now, and it was a return to domestic action for Aberdeen after a good result in Kazakhstan. They played Dundee United at Tanadice and came away with all three points thanks to a late Kenny McLean. I want to say header. I don't know, can we can we call it a header? Well, it came off his head, so... <laughs> so what did we make of that game? Was it a fair result, Matt? Um, I actually thought that um, a draw would have been pretty fair. I think um, Dundee United had the best opportunities of the game. Um, Danny Ward was phenomenal again. He kept out two very good good attempts. and The backward header in the second half and then the, the one in, right on half-time, uh, the, close, the close shot. So... Um, no, uh, but then hey, Aberdeen, Aberdeen 
we're we're always in control. I think um, Derek McKenna summed it up perfectly. We we look fitter at the end of the match, um, considering considering they'd been they'd been away um, in the in the in the Far East. Sorry, um, two days before I think um, we're always in control. When they got the goal, they just they settled down and ran the clock down. Really talking about the goal, very suspect goalkeeping from Zwick. I, I think um, I think that that was. Throughout his performance, to be honest, he didn't he didn't look comfortable in any sort of scenario. I think whenever the ball was in the box, he, he struggled to deal with it, and um, I think um, it was only a matter of time before he before he got a before he messed up that it was going to cost him. And I th- I, I don't really think he could do much. I mean, he was his positioning was a bit poor for it, um, but I, it was a bit of luck from the goal, and uh, Aberdeen got the win. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to butt in there when Matt was talking about um, some of the errors he made earlier in the game. He, he was quite prone to dropping the ball, um, I noticed, uh, certainly in around the six-yard box. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, Dundee United did look quite good going forward. The, the bit that sticks out for me was Spittle um, on the left-hand side. Is that the one when he beat two men? Yeah, yeah, yeah then that. No end product. No, I mean, it's just, that's what we were talking about really about Dundee United. They do have quality, but... They just maybe don't have enough to beat a team like Aberdeen. Um, I think, though, they, they did show enough signs that maybe we got it wrong last week and that you know they will maybe do a lot better uh, than, than a lot of people are. I tipped are them for top six here. Did you? Yeah, I did. Well, I think I, I was the only one, actually. That's what I mean. And, well, maybe, maybe they're proving you right and the rest of us wrong. But yeah. I thought Aberdeen were worthy of their win. I, I can see where Matt's coming from with, the, with thinking a draw um, was the right result. A bit of luck with a goal, obviously, but I think... Uh, three points it w- was just we don't think McLean meant the goal do we he, he said he didn't to be fair I think he said afterwards in his, I, I don't know. Uh, his interview that he, 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 he kind of fluked it he was just at a knock at the back post I think um, Adam Rooney would have been there to finish it anyway had um, had it gone just about a yard behind so um, yeah <laughs> fair to say everyone including ourselves is tipping Dundee United not to perform well this season as, as Callum said earlier but they weren't too bad on Sunday despite the defeat. Positive signs, Lewis? Um, I'm going to disagree with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, this is... For me, this is the best chance any team in the league will have of this season of beating Aberdeen. Um, you know, Coming back from the longest trip in European football history and the fact that there was an understrength team, um, you know, I think Aberdeen... You know, should they, they shouldn't be expected to win, but you know, even, even a draw, I think, would have been... The least expected of them, I think. Um, I think they'll rue this chance, and uh, I, I wasn't that impressed with United, to be honest. I think they need bodies in there fast. Uh, I think the, the spine's been pretty much ripped ripped out of their team, and I think that they need to they need to replace them with sharpish. I'll come back to you, Matt, just to finish off this game. It was a really good win for the Dons, considering the trip that they faced in midweek, the longest ever in UEFA history. Those are the kind of games that you have to win if you want to challenge for the title. Yeah, I mean, once again, I think Aberdeen showed that um, we the fight till right at the end. I mean, I said it, I touched on it a minute ago how we looked really fit towards the well towards the end and they got the goal. Um, I just, I, th- I think it's going to be obviously very difficult. I mean, we always talk about it uh, this title challenge that will it potentially happen? Can it happen? It, it will, Aberdeen will certainly sustain the challenge throughout until at least Christmas. I think. I think they'll be pretty close with Celtic but um, yeah you're right I think um, they've got to be winning the games especially against their rivals and big, big in front of a big crowd I mean near enough 4,000 Aberdeen fans went down to it you know I mean had half the ground more or less so I think um, if I think the fans are expecting it um, and if Aberdeen can just 
just keep winning. I mean, I know that's obviously just the first game, but I mean, I, I, for me anyway, Aberdeen going to every match apart from the Celtic games as favourites, regardless of the form that they're in. They have to. Let's talk about the team at the top of the table now, and it is of course Dundee. A terrific win for Paul Hartley's men at Rugby Park with braces from both Greg Stewart and Rory Loy. The first in particular from Stewart was an absolute cracker. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish. Uh, I mean, I mean, scoring from twenty-five yards isn't easy, um, and he made it look pretty effortless. Mm. I mean. For all the talk about the new signings, it was Gary Harkins who was perhaps the star against his former club. That chip for the third goal, uh, a personal highlight. How highly do you rate Harkins? I think, I mean, I think he's actually underrated in terms of how good he can be. When he was at Kilmarnock, he certainly. Um, you know, having a few Kilmarnock uh, supporters as friends as I do, you know, they they, they rated him very highly. Um, thought he was a good player, and, and were disappointed when he left. Uh, I think he showed at the weekend just how good and effective and and effective he can be. I mean, that chip for the the third goal was brilliant. Um, I was really impressed with how Dundee moved the ball. Actually, mm. I thought they were absolutely excellent. I think they passed Kilmarnock uh, around the park very well, um, and I think they've got you know with players like Ross, Thompson, Harkins and now Loy Hemmings and obviously Stewart you know that's as good um, mm. as any sort of forward slash sort of midfield area um, as there is in the, in the top flight out with obviously Celtic and Aberdeen and I thought they were absolutely superb. It's always easy after the first week I think to, to jump to conclusions, yeah. uh, call Dundee the best team in Scotland, call Kelly the worst but can, can we read a hell of a lot are Kelly going to be down there, are Dundee going to be up there? I think it's it's difficult because Kilmarnock, I think, are still probably trying to gel as a team. They've brought new players in. I don't think their midfield is particularly strong, although I did tip them to do well this season. I think it may take a wee while for them to really get going. I think, you know, it's quite obvious who they're looking on to, to score goals. And with Boyd, whose confidence I feel was shot last season, it's going to be difficult, I think. And it's going to take two, you know, until he starts scoring again regularly. Um, for for his confidence to grow, and it's obviously going to take one goal, one two goals, and it's going to kick, it's going to you know click. Um, but I think patience is key for Kilmarnock fans at the moment. Obviously, it's very easy after a four 0 loss in the first day of the season to to be up in arms and demand that you know this changes and that we should never have hired Locke or brought this player in and, or things like that. But I think things will improve. I just think they came up against a very determined um, and very well organised and set up Dundee team who I think will be one of the, the best teams to watch in Scotland, never mind that league this season We all talked Dundee up big style on last week's podcast preview preview of the season but I don't think any of us thought they'd, they'd win quite so comfortably on Saturday, what can you put their win down to, is it a bad day at the office for Kelly a great day for Dundee or maybe a bit of both I do think it was a bit of both um, we didn't tip it to be that big a win um, and I think we both thought they would be Maybe on par with each other. Maybe Dundee slightly the better. I certainly um, found it hard to separate them last week. Uh, I think the main thing that you can take from it is it backs up everything we've said about Dundee. Um, but I do agree with the fact that that won't be um, the, the the kind of regular performance you're going to see from Kilmarnock. Gary Locke won't let that happen. And certainly looking at the the players have signed, they've got quality in there that that that, that I think as has already been said, just need a bit of time to click together. Um, of course, you know, we've, we've had that before. We said, look, I don't think they'll go as far as like what we've said about Motherwell last year, you know, we kept saying with them, but they've got the quality, they've got the quality. I do think this won't be a situation like that and that Kilmarnock will kick on. 
will the kid come maybe as much as we think they were going to? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it shows that there may be more mid-table. Um, and there is going to be that gap between the Dundee side too. I think it'll be pushing up a wee bit further. Um, it's one game. And I think that that's a big thing to, to highlight. You know, what, what, It's one game uh, and we're not going to... That's not going to shape the season. Um, because I mean, there's still a month to go. Players can come and players can go. And I'd be surprised, obviously, if Kilmarnock brought in anybody else. Dundee looked like a decent squad, but... There's a lot of things that still take a bit of time. It doesn't all just come down to one game. Are any of you revising your thoughts on Dundee? Could they could they push even higher up in the table? Do we think maybe the top four maybe even challenge Hearts? Well, I mean it's early days, and I think I think last week, you know, I, I said I didn't. I thought Inverness, who will come up to maybe the team to, to maybe push Hearts for that position, but you know, as Connor said, it is early days and things can change, um, and and there's still a long way to go in terms of the transfer window as well. I think, but. If they if they play like that, there aren't many teams in that in that league that will be able to deal with them. I don't think out with as I said Celtic Aberdeen, and I think you could see games like Hearts Dundee being the, the one where you get that start deciding fourth uh, and third. How does Gary Locke pick his side up from that Hammer and Lewis? They've got Aberdeen and Celtic next up, Kelly. Uh, for me, the biggest problem with Kelly was a defence. Um, I think you know I, I rate Connolly. I think he's a good player, but um, everything else was just very very poor. Um, I know you'll jump down my throat here, Callum, but um, just getting a bit of experience there would be quite good, and I, I don't think it's that bad an idea to put Lee McCulloch in there. Uh, but I know you'll disagree with me. But um, I, I think, if, sorry, if we're talking about if you're wanting to bring McCulloch in, what I said earlier about Hearts, the tempo of this league is dramatically different to the Championship, and Lee McCulloch struggled with the pace in the Championship. I agree with you that they could do with some experience in there, and I think where they could use McCulloch best would be in a sort of holding role to break up the play because I don't think um, the the two in midfield um, are are strong enough for Kelly um, to start to take the ball and dictate the play. Um, but I think I agree with you that the McCulloch can be utilised. I just don't believe that in a league that's faster than when he struggled in for pace last year that that's the answer. But um, I would I mean I, I do agree that defensively they were poor. That they're backing off. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I noticed it for the Stewart goal was. Was shocking, you know. It, it's just that I, I do. They need something in there. I think what you said about the tempo as well. Um, they looked really, really. I mean, just fitness wise, I thought Kelly looked really unfit. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, Dundee moved the ball really well, as good as I think I've seen from from a team in the top flight for for some time. But even as we were talking there, Stuart's goal was twenty five yards out, yeah. and if you're playing a holding midfielder, they're going to be in and about that area, and you need them to, to sort of patrol that sort of that section of the field and I think as you say if we're talking about Lee McCulloch that's where he could maybe fit in best Well elsewhere on Saturday Motherwell with a big win in the Highlands against Inverness Caledonian Thistle Wes Fletcher's first goal for the Steelmen giving them all three points fair to say that wasn't a result we saw coming Matt but well deserved for Motherwell um, Definitely I think Motherwell um, just they looked so comfortable I think I couldn't believe it like when I watched the highlights and I read the reports about the game um Cali, I, I, I've I've tipped Cali to struggle this year. Well, not not struggle, but not like maintain the performances that they did last year. I think it's going to be very difficult for them. But um, I think Motherwell have started off very well. Like I said, I mean, in control and and just didn't didn't really have any issues against them. To be honest. Yeah, more bad news for Inverness after the game when it was revealed that Gary Warren had broken his leg after a. 
I'll call it a 50-50 with Stephen Pearson. Come on to the challenge in a wee minute, but first of all, Warren will be a massive miss for, for Inverness if he's to be out for months like it's believed. Yeah, I, I mean, Inverness are already sort of trying to rebuild a little bit after losing you know, players like Shinny um, and things like that. And obviously after coming off of the Scottish Cup win, it's difficult for a club, I think, like Inverness to, to see where they can go higher. Um, and, and to lose a key player like that so early into the season... Um, is, is pretty massive in terms of the impact it'll have, whether it galvanises them and gets them to push on or it's just completely detrimental obviously remains to be seen th- you, you, Sorry Connor. No, I was just going to say I think it's very much a case of John Hughes this year will, will find that he's very much a victim of his own success in many ways he went up there um, you know looked at as a very for some people a strange appointment people said you know he's not going to go up there and do anything and let's be honest he's a better than Terry Butcher you know um, he pulled off a fantastic, you know, league campaign and cup run. And let's be honest, is, is a team like Inverness going to do any better than that? No, I don't see any way they can. Do they? Do they finish ahead of Aberdeen and the, win both cups? Like, there's no the way. Finances yeah. to, to compete. Um, Were you surprised he, that there was no offer from an English club maybe for Hughes? No, because um, personally, I, I, I've seen a lot of, of John uses both a player and a manager. And and I knew that you know he does actually have the he does actually have the tactical brain that he could go and do that up there, but I think for some people for some reason he's still seen as a bit of a risk, and I, I think had he done be able to do the same this year with Inverness, you might get a different outcome. A team might make a move for him. The only thing I will say is when he does leave Inverness, I don't think you'll have problems getting a. Another job. I think people say, "Let's take another chance on him." But I don't know. Just these characteristics of the way he comes across. He just people just don't seem to think he's actually got that much of a tactical know-how. We've and said it before. He comes across, or he's portrayed in the media, the sort joke. of as a, as a cartoon character almost. It's completely unfair as well because you cannot argue. Last season was a manager of the season. He was unbelievable last year. A lot of people have said though it, it could a lot of it could be down to Russell Latapy. Um, now they've had a lot of time with each other obviously at Falkirk and they had a connection at Hibs and, and we worked together at Inverness he's now out of the picture now I don't think in any way Inverness's results this season can be attributed to Russell Latapy leaving but what might be more interesting to see is when Russell Latapy as he's hinted at takes on a permanent role um, as a manager at a club which is what he's aiming to do you know how does he fare it could tell you something but I just think John's always been a manager that's never been given the credit he deserves. I mean, even at Livingston, he didn't actually do that bad a job. Hartlepool, I think he did okay down there. It's just he's... Inverness has been the first team that he's actually, you know, went and done something that's that's never been seen before and probably won't be seen again at Inverness for a long, long time. And it's something that he got the credit for in Manager of the Year, but still this year he'll probably find he's up against it a wee bit. Mm. Denny, you want to change your thoughts on how these two got on this season? Um, I, don't, I think I might want to reevaluate putting Inverness third. Uh, seeing, yeah, seeing, I'm, I'm see, thinking the same. Seeing yeah. uh, Mother will beat them sort of made, uh, gave me a, a moment there um, to think and went, and that's probably a bit. I um, think it's more the way they beat them as well. Yeah, the, uh, Inverness didn't really have any presence in the game, I thought. It was very much all sort of Motherwell. Um, th- there wasn't really any. Any of what you saw last last year from Inverness, which was you know good attacking football and and like really imposing themselves on their opponents, Motherwell went up there and didn't have to do an awful lot. I thought to come away with the win, especially after scoring so early, um, which was very surprising for me. A crowd of just over three thousand at the the stadium 
the Tullock Stadium on Tullock Saturday. Tullock Caledonian, Tullock Caledonian Stadium. Caledonian Stadium on Saturday. After everything that happened last year, European football and all that brought, all right, they're out of it already. But that's got to be worrying signs for them, Matt. Um, yes, it is. But I think um, you've got to realise that the catchment area that Inverness has, it is very difficult to sustain a, a fan support, um, a, a loyal fan support anyway. I think... Um, I think, especially with the Scottish Cup final and the, well, the two cup finals that they've had, I think they, they've just seemed to kind of get fans from all over the place that have just gone. Just anyone from the Highlands seems to have gone to them, um, just really to help the numbers. Um, I think they're struggling. It's it's very difficult, like I said, to to attract football there, and I don't really know what John Hughes can do to to attract them. I mean, they've got them into Europe, and albeit they've been knocked out with the first hurdle, um, winning a Scottish Cup and high consistently high in the Premier League I think I, I just don't really know how they can do it Yeah, well that's a, a problem we'll obviously have to look into but again we don't know what they can do to, to solve that we'll move on to Saturday's other game and the final game of the first week of the Premiership season it was a fair to say a drab affair between Hamilton and Partick Thistle goalless draw it finished at New Douglas Park and the main talking point was probably the, the red card for Partick takes uh, Frederick Franz it was given for two yellows was that a fair decision or harsh on him I thought it was it was a bit harsh I thought the two fouls were, were clumsy the first one was a booking it's still a clumsy foul but you know it was a booking and the second one he sort of seems to just run into the guy like there's no real malicious intent there and I think I know referees and, and our friend Ross will tell us this it doesn't but they can't really take into account the situation or the time or things like that but it's the first day of the season. It's not far into the first game of the se- into the game. You know, we're still in the first half, and I think that just that red card just kind of kills it. And you would like to see it. fair enough if he's gone in two footed off the ground and the guy's legs broken in half, right? But I mean, it's not a, a bad fill. It's a clumsy fill like the first one. And I think the ref could maybe just have a word with him and go, look, this is, you know, you need to maybe just watch what you're doing here. Alan Archibald, quick to say after the game that he thought the referee ruined the match. Is that something you'd go along with, Lewis? Do you think the ref should have should have kind of given some leniency? Um, see, to be honest, I mean, when you've got a yellow card, you need to be careful. And <clears throat> you can't afford to be clumsy, as, as Calm was saying. Um, so, I, I mean... I've not got any. I don't have any sympathy for him. I think you know. That's. I mean, I'm not saying the referee was wrong. He's not wrong because it's a foul, and obviously, when you foul and you foul a player and you're on a yellow card, then you're you're at risk of getting another yellow card. I just think there could have been a wee bit of leniency there, as it's not too malicious, um, and the referee could have got, you know could have just had a word with him just. Just because I can, I think it's very easy for managers to say, "Well, the referee ruined the game." You know, I just think. Common sense a wee bit there could have prevailed and, and it might have been a better game. I agree with that actually. I think I think the ref could have I don't think anyone would have been talking if he hadn't have sent him off. I could yeah. be completely wrong, but I don't think um Martin Canning's coming out after the game and saying oh he had to go there. I could be completely wrong, but I don't think there would have been a massive argument there and I think it would have just would have probably had a goal at least to talk about. Fair to say that we both talked down these two clubs' chances last week. And this game, I don't think, has done much to change your opinions. Do we still see these two as the bottom two come May? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, in terms of Aki's, yeah. Um, you know, Cannon's, he's a, he's a really nice guy, but, um, you know, he's, he's not a great manager, in nice, my opinion. Nice guys don't make good football exactly, managers, that's a fact. Exactly. Uh, I think, um, I just, I, it's not actually, that game this weekend wouldn't have changed my opinion. I just feel that looking at the two squads, 
the, the, the overall they're a bit behind, you know, the rest of the Premiership. I think you know they can play as well as they possibly can every week, but I still think there's a chance that, that at least one out of two of them would be down there because the, the quality of the teams I feel this season, like some Motherwell were down there, improved. Uh, Ross County down there, improved. You could even say Kilmarnock were starting to edge towards down there. Looking at their squad, they've improved on yeah, paper. Yeah. We need to wait and see if they click in time. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think the, the two squads themselves, I just look that wee bit weaker. Hamilton, a couple of signings that are a wee bit unknown. This will bring in um, Matthias Pogba. Potentially that could you know, be a catalyst. And, and you just need somebody that's going to create something. And I just feel that both sides are lacking that a wee bit. Um, don't get me wrong. Hamilton Christian Nadia looks okay, but he's not going to get you twenty odd goals a season. It'll be good to have around another striker, but I just don't feel they've got that that in there. But as I say, there's still time to go, and they could still make the signings that could make it very interesting. Because I think if they two were to improve their squads, I don't think it would take a lot. I'm talking maybe one or two signings of of high quality. It would make it very interesting in terms of you've got teams suddenly that we're tipping as being improved over the summer and looking very decent, could still find themselves down there. And I would say not through their own fault, because you're down there on, on merit, but um, they've done a lot and tried to make sure that they're, they're not in there and they end up they end up down that bottom. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with what you're saying about Aki's, but I disagree with Thistle. Um, I think the difference with Thistle is that you know, Thistle have got <coughs> they've got goal scorers, they've got goals in the team. They've got guy like Chris Dillon, uh, Stephen Wallace. You know these guys score goals, and I, I think, um, I think that will save them. I mean, I, I'm not saying Thistle are going to be in the top six or anything, but I think um, you, know, the, you know there's no no reason why they can't finish eighth or ninth. Uh, in the table. I think that's probably the main thing that you're if you're looking at Hamilton and, and Thistle. With Thistle, you can possibly see where the goals are going to come from. With Hamilton, it's a mm. bit like. Ali Crawford perhaps um, is going to maybe get anywhere between 8 and 12 goals maybe but Christian Nade's never been a striker that's going to score a lot of goals um, and I think that would be the worrying, worrying thing for Hamilton You wonder about the boy his name escapes when they got from Norwich um, I don't think he's particularly prolific either he's a hot prospect anyway but I don't think you look at him either and you're going to go he's going to go and get double figures even this season and to be honest to stay up I'd love to know that they can have facts in the past, but to stay up, I'd say you probably need one player at least scoring well, double figures. A, a good example of that is Kilmarnock two years ago now, Chris, Chris Boyd. Boyd. And mm. a lot of Kelly fans will tell you, well, Chris Boyd kept us up. So I and, think if in, the, in theory, he did because he scored that goal Easter Road. Well, so it's all about goals. Yeah, so I mean, I think if it, it's not necessarily the only thing you need, obviously, but I think in a league like the Scottish Premiership, if you have a goal scorer that can get you between fifteen and you know over twenty goals a season, then you've got as good a chance as anyone. Well, Thomas Cherney was in great form for the visitors. Some some great saves to deny his former club. But Matt, looks like the point was better for Thistle than Hamilton. Um, yeah, considering they were at ten men for for the bulk of the match, sixty five minutes. Um, yeah, I've tipped both of them to struggle this year, and I think I just think the Hamilton they've just never gotten over losing Alex Neil. I think as soon as as soon as he left, they just they, they struggled, and I think I think that that is. I think the main reason that is down to is having Canning play, playing the bulk of last season. He's continued to play, and but um, I think Thistle Thistle looked looked okay considering um, considering. I mean, their goalkeeper, like you said, uh, Cherney, um, he, he saved them. He saved them big time. So I think um, 
they just need to add one or two players like the guys have been saying and you never, you never know what can happen in the league Yep, well that brings our Premiership coverage to finish for now let's take a look at the League Cup results from the weekend we'll start at Ibrox where it was a routine victory for Rangers at home to Peterhead I didn't see the game but by all accounts it seems as if there was it was three goals going on ten for the Ibrox side is it another sign that Warburton's starting to get the, the team playing the way he wants them to? I think so I think uh, the, the game this was game five of uh, Warburton's sort of five game pre-season plan if you like I think Peterhead came to Ibrox and, and sat in um, I think it was something like 28 attempts on goal Rangers had and it was just another sign that the the whole philosophy at Rangers has changed it's about quick passing it's keeping the ball on the deck it's very much you know the players know the system um, and the the build up to the goals was certainly something that I've noticed has got a lot better we we utilise the width um, that the Rangers have a lot better and that helps actually having proper fullbacks you know Wallace and now Tavernier as well um, as well as having Templeton and Mackay out, out wide who I think are still improving that might sound a bit daft given how old or you know Templeton's what 25, 26 now um, but Mackay's still a young guy um, and, and they're still trying to improve so I think it shows that it's the the Warburton sort of regime is doing well um, and obviously the first I think big test comes in, uh, in the league on Friday New signing James Tavernier scored one and set one up something that he also managed last week at Easter Road he's looked impressive so far yeah well, that's what I'm saying you know having proper fullbacks, the athleticism of him is something that we've not seen at Ibrox for a while how he gets up and down the line he's extremely fit he's good with the ball at his feet um, his movement is fantastic and I think you know we've really we've really got a coup there. I, I believe Rangers have got, have done very well in the transfer market uh, this summer, um, but I think he he's been the standout so far and he's he's been absolutely superb. It also looks like Warburton has some of the old guard back to their best. The likes of Nicky Law and Kenny Miller, who were so disappointing last season, look as if they're they're back to performing like we know they can. Well, I was actually talking about them earlier on with with Callum, and I think uh, I've seen you know obviously they've got a decent squad at the moment and. You know, potentially you're looking, thinking, do they need another striker, do they need another midfielder? With these two performing to the levels that they can, no, they don't. You know, they've got, they've got at least in Kenny Miller a player there that, um, and I think as we said earlier on, even if he's not starting, you know he's going to come off the bench and make an impact if he's playing. You know the way we know he can and the way he's done for many, many years. Um, Nicky Law, I always think he's had a wee bit of a hard deal. You know, I think you know. I like him. Um, he's got something in the middle of the park that, you know, a wee bit of grit and, and determination that it might not be the prettiest and, and have the most, you know, of, of, of kind of technical, but I think going forward they offer something. I, I just think, I know you're looking at me thinking, you know. It's just interesting hearing someone use the word gritty and Nicky Wan. I don't mean sense. gritty in terms of, you know, he's, he's flying into challenge. I mean, just, you know, he carries. I, I just always think he, he's looked. Kind of dangerous and 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 about the play a wee bit, particularly going forward. I think he is made better by having better players around him, and I think that's what he has now. Certainly in that midfield trio with Holt and particularly Halliday, I, I agree with you with Miller. I think the best way to use Kenny Miller now is to have him come on with half an hour, twenty five minutes to go. Um, same with Nicky Clark actually has been put out wide. Um, I think obviously I believe John Eustace will probably come in um, at some point as well to, to 
to give a bit more steel to that midfield. But I, I totally agree with Connor there. I think Law looks a vastly different player to what he was last season, and Miller's making an impact in which, you know, I think is best for him at his age. Guy on the radio last night phoned down the Super Scoreboard and said that John Eustace was set to sign for Rangers and also Stevie May would be in for a medical today. Well, May's, I, I, I saw that on the on the forums. May's committed his future to Sheffield Wednesday, I believe, but I think Eustace will come in before too long. How important is a cup run for Rangers this season, Matt? Um, extremely important. I think um, I think their fans crave it and expect it almost even though they're, they've been in the lower leagues the last two years I mean they've showed signs of getting back to national finals in the last couple of years been making two semi-finals am I right? Two, well the yeah, two. last year and then the, the one against the United the year before um, I think if, if Rangers were to get a cup run um, it would certainly keep the fans interested um, I think um, but no I think they're definitely going to they're going to need one because I'm pretty sure they're all still desperate to get back at Celtic if if they can but um, it's going to be tough for them I think they just need to take it one game at a time especially in that cup the league cup and um, they've, been a, they've been a good start and then obviously when the Scottish Cup comes around at the end of November then they need to just go again Yeah well what we were saying last week with the Cups I think it's important uh, after you know we've had some fairly um, high profile embarrassments in, in certain Cups over the past couple of years and I think a lot of that's been down to the attitude of, of not only the players, the coaching staff and throughout the whole club. Um, but as Matt says, it's early days. I think people need to be wary of getting too over the top um, at the moment. The signs are extremely positive. Um, the players that we've brought in are re- making a real connection with the fans. There's a whole lift about the place. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a sellout on Friday. Um, and it's, it's just nice as a Rangers fan to be positive about the whole thing again. But people... I think just need to, some people anyway, a lot of people are very grounded about the whole thing and and realise this is still a process, there will be slip-ups, but I think as long as things don't go, we don't get too over the top about, well, that's us won two games, played some really encouraging things, some really, you know, enjoyable football, you know, all of a sudden we're as good as Celtic. It's not quite the case yet, there's still, there's a plan there, Um, and I think, as I say, it's just nice to be positive about, about Rangers again, from my point of view, obviously. Well, elsewhere in the League Cup at the weekend, Hibs beat Montrose 3-0 at Easter Road. Scott Allen scored in just five minutes after coming on as a substitute. We didn't really get the chance to discuss the Hibs statement on Scott Allen last week. What do we make of it? Were they right to take that stance? It's a very bold statement and one that they must stick to. Um, not, not because, you know, the money Rangers could offer them, you know, could get into... A very decent amount for Scott Allen. I, I, for some reason, I don't think Rangers will, will push the boat out too much because, you know, other players could come along. Um, but what what they've done there is they've made a statement, and if they want to, you know, if they want to try and keep that support together, they need to stick to it because if they go back on this now, they'll cause so much disharmony with amongst the supporters. Um, there was even talk last week that it was going to bring in the likes of Alan Stubbs, although he kind of, I think. He made a bigger statement by signing a new contract the day after I that. Think, sorry, just interrupt, but I think Stubbs signing the new contract means that he's been given assurances that Allen's not going to get sold to, well, obviously to Rangers. Anyway. That's for the question I want to ask. Do we expect Scott Allen to stay at Hibs now I for this transfer market? Anyway, something tells me he won't, um, but I don't think he'll go to Rangers. I, my my opinion is, and obviously I've not got any affection to either club, but. Um, I could see some sort of deal being done where 
ever English team did become interested in him or, or, or somebody up here that could pay the money he was looking for, I don't think they'd actually have to pay an incredible sum or really push too hard to get him. I think Hibs are, are just adamant now that they can't um, hand him to Rangers purely because of that statement. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went for a wee bit even less than has been going out, but, but to an English team. Well, Alan did come on to a mixed reaction from Hibs supporters, but the jeers soon turned to cheers when he scored the second for Hibs. The capital rivals' hearts are also through to the second round, although not without a scare against League Two Arbroath. That game was all the way back on Thursday. Due to, we won't go into the whole kind of St Mirren hearts, should they be playing things. We did that in detail last week. Queen of the South were nearly the big casualties of the first round after falling behind in their derby against Annan at Galabank, but they managed to come from behind to eventually win after extra time. Worrying signs for James Fowler there, Lewis? Absolutely. Um, I mean, for me, Queen of the South will struggle this year. They've lost a lot of players, and, um, you know, that's, it's, it's almost like a kind of repeat of last year. I feel sorry for teams like Queen of the South and Falkirk, uh, your team, uh, Sparky, uh, because... You know, if this was any other you know, champ, uh, championship season, it'd be them. You know, Wraith Rovers maybe, uh, and you know, St Mirren going for going for the title. But you know, you've had the anomaly the last few years of Hearts and Hibs and Rangers uh, being in for the title. So um, you know, it's, I, I think I think in terms of Queens, you know, they'll struggle this year just because they've lost so many players. Berwick Rangers also came from two down to beat Allo Athletic three two at Shieldfield in extra time. Well, another championship side, Livingston, drew 0 now at home against Clyde before grabbing an extra-time winner. East Fife managed a 1-1 draw against Bar- Dumbarton before winning 4-3 on penalties. There were also routine wins for Morton, Wraith and Falkirk. You were at Broadwood on Friday corner to see Falkirk's win over East Stirling. Undoubtedly impressed with your, your team showing. Yeah, I was. I mean, I think I said earlier on, you were talking about kind of players that I've stood out this week and... I just felt there wasn't actually a standout. Overall, we played very, very well. The tempo was good. Passing was good. Uh, every time we went forward, and I'd say for the the bulk of the match, we looked like we could score. Uh, and it just kind of felt like the goals were going to just keep on coming. A couple of great finishes in there. One for Adam Muirhead was a fantastic volley from a, a Craig Sable free kick that eventually fell to him. Um, and you've also got the likes of... Most positive thing I think for a number of Falkirk fans was the fact that you, again you had Bob McHugh and John Baird on on the score sheet, uh, and you know there's been one or two kind of people saying you know or or before these last two cup games thinking are they going to get that partnership? But I think so far they've shown they are. They're both lively. They're both dangerous. McHugh's got the, a wee bit more skill and pace about him, but. You know, these past two games have been positive, certainly in attacking sense, this level, the latter, in a defensive sense as well. And I think, you know, it's been a good pre-season we go into the championship season on, on a relatively kind of strong footing. Falkirk playing at Broadwood, of course, because of the Tom Jones concert on Saturday. I think the question we all want to know, how did it go? Was it a successful day for all? Were you singing along? Well, I'll admit I was a wee bit. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, it was a... It's one of these ones, you know, clubs need to, need to find other ways to bring in revenue. You know, we've done it now, that was our fourth year. Um, and, you know, we've actually managed to attract some, you know, decent, you know, names and crowds, you know. Don't get me wrong, I, I don't see us all listening to Elton John, but there was, I think there was about 10,000 odd there, with a, a very good crowd at the weekend, Rod Stewart, you know, and it's all about 
try to find ways that, that, that are going to raise money and it was a good day everyone in the Aspo seemed to enjoy themselves and they'll be back next year yeah well we'll be giving a wee cash injection to your old club on Sunday when we go and play in the Falkirk Stadium the Burstball team will all be out in action there so I don't know keep your eyes out for that Um <laughs> Dunfermline also hammered Cowdenbeath 5-2 in a Fife derby at East End Park. Marvin Andrews showing a red card there for Cowden. It's a massive victory for the Pars, Matt, albeit against 10 men. They're really putting a marker down for the, the league season ahead. Um, definitely, yeah. They're they're too big a team, in my opinion, to be to be stuck in, the, in League One. I think they should really be up there. And as Lewis touched upon it earlier on about um, teams like Queens and Falkirk and all that, obviously, just kind of... Not gonna, they're not going to be pushing for the title, and I think if Dunfermline were in the championship with the without Rangers or Hearts, Hibs in the last few years, um, I think they they would definitely be making a case financially. Though they've just been they've just been hit hard, but um, it's definitely a, definitely a marker. Um, the League Cup League Cup is interesting. Well, sort of just cup runs. I think it's good for teams like that to get a cup run um, to boost a bit of revenue. But I think. Um, no, I think I think Dunfermline the need to be tipped as favourites to, to come up this year. In the other ties, Air United beat Brecon City 2-0 at home. Queen's Park were beaten 2-0 at Hamden by four for Athletic. Airdrieonians managed a 1-0 win against Stirling Albion. Anstrand Rar defeated Senhouse Muir 2-0. The draw for the second round was made yesterday at Hamden and is as follows. Ross County against Air United... Four for Athletic against Heart of Midlothian, Kilmarnock against Berwick Rangers, Wraith Rovers against Hamilton Academical, Queen of the South against Morton, Dunfermline against Dundee, Partick Thistle against Falkirk, East Fife against Motherwell, Hibs against Drenra, Airdronians against Rangers and St Mirren against Livingston. Those ties to be played on the 25th and 26th of August. What games stood out for you there, guys? Uh, Wraith Rovers Hamilton, I think there's a uh, possibility there maybe for a for a wee for a wee shock. Uh, obviously Airdrie and Rangers as well. Um, I don't know about you, Fisher. Well, well probably uh, probably the Rangers game for me. I think um, going to Airdrie Onions is a good draw uh, for Rangers. They've been there four times, I believe, uh, over the course of the, the past couple of years. One, um, all four times, uh, scored fifteen goals and not conceded any. So it's been it's been a good place for for Rangers, and I, I would expect them and and. and most of the sort of bigger teams in that draw to progress. I really like the look of them Fermline against Dundee and also what was the other one? It was Livingston St. Livingston away at St Mirren. I think I think those two will be really good. I think so. I mean I certainly saw the Dunfermline Dundee game as one that you know I'm not, I'm not going to say a potential slip up because Dundee, you know, we've spoke about how good they are, but I feel that, you know, Dunfermline, you know, if they keep this level of form up then you're going to have two teams who are going to go into the game high in confidence, um, and I think it would be a very good kind of kind of battle. Don't get me wrong; you still expect Dundee to go through, and I think they would go through. But I think it'd be a very entertaining game. There'll be a big crowd there at East End Park because I mean, Dunfermline have sold a great amount of season tickets. Okay, it's not going to be included in this game, but it shows they've got the support there, and that's not far for Dundee fans to travel. It's I a chance don't. for them to match themselves up against a Premier League in a top Premiership opposition yeah, as well. I think the family's recruited well. You know, they will go in the game with no fear. They'll fancy their chances. Realistically, you would expect Dundee to go through, but you know, it's one of these games that it'll be more entertaining than just a simple one 0 one. I would think. A trip to Far Hill for your own side. Your thoughts on that? I know. I know you fancy your chances there. Well, I do, and I think that's mainly because 
I don't want to take pre-season too much into account, but I did see the two teams played each other in pre-season. It finished nil-nil, but I felt that the that, Falkirk that were the kind of more dominant side. Um, don't get me wrong, the last kind of five minutes, we tired and Partick came in a wee bit and I think had a, a chance which was cleared off the line by Aaron Muirhead. But overall, I thought, actually thought that was a an OK kind of match-up. And certainly the same kind of situation of Partick on their day, you would say they're the Premiership team they should be going through. But um, if we make a good start to the league season, you know, I, I see no reason why we can't go there and get a win. And in the same situation as Dunfermline against Dundee, we told no fear. Let's turn our attention to Celtic now and the Crunch Champions League qualifying return leg against Karabag in Azerbaijan on Wednesday evening. All the pre-match talk has been about the state of the pitch in Baku with the news breaking last night that the pitch has been passed fit for, for the game tomorrow evening, half-five kick-off, but Celtic aren't been allowed to train on it today, Tuesday. Uh, it's, a, <clears throat> it's a complete farce, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it was a talk that the game might even be cancelled and you know, you know stuff like this. Um, you know, the, the, the really worrying aspect for me is... Um, I think John Collins said this in the paper this morning. Um, He's talking about a lot of the injured players and guys like Mulgrew's not not travelled obviously, but um, you know Griffiths and Beaton are kind of doubts of this game, and you know there's talk that because of the state of the pitch they don't want to risk them for this game. And uh, for me, you know Griff, Griffiths and Chief Chi, you know it's, it's an argument who 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 do you put there? But you know, we need uh, you know Celtic need Beaton in that role. You know he's vital to everything they do, and. Uh, I really, I, I, I really worry for Celtic um, if Beaton isn't playing. Despite some of the chat, it isn't actually compulsory for the home team to to kind of vacate their pitch or allow the away team to train on it the day before. This is from the official UEFA rules. The day before the match, weather permitting, the visiting club is allowed to train on the pitch of which on which the match will be played. The length of their training session may not exceed one hour unless agreed otherwise. If hope this is important, but if holding such a training session could render the pitch unfit for play the next day, an alternative training ground approved by UEFA in advance must be made available. So it just kind of it proves yeah. the point that it's not it's not compulsory, but it's still it's not ideal it's for just, Celtic. It, it's completely fast, and I think you know it's not. I, I think from what I've heard, you know, it's not really Carabag's fault. I mean, I, I, there was talk to um, the fans. You know, they they, they sent a letter to the to Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan FA, and they were you know they were saying to them, you know, we need we can't have it at this ground because of the state of the pitch. It has also been the problem with tickets. I don't think the tickets aren't on sale anymore now um, because you know apparently they've been. A lot of ticket touts have taken them, taking a large uh, proportion of the tickets. So just all in all, it's been a, it's a complete farce, and it's um, it's it's not it's, not, it's definitely not ideal for uh, preparing for you know such, such a crucial tie for Celtic, which is well you know make or break their season really. In terms of last week's game, was it a good result for the hoops last week at home, Matt, or could they have done with another goal to take to Azerbaijan? I think you should really have been looking to get two or three. I think um, one nil. And a home leg is always difficult to defend. I think this team are going to have to come out and and the state of the pitch is. I think it's going to be playing in the in the players' mind more than anything. I think it's. I think Celtic might struggle actually to to come out of this with a victory. Well, or going through to be honest. Yeah, personally, I'm I'm worried for Celtic. I think uh, it could be a real tough one. Carabag look to have something about them, don't they? They call them the, they look a good side, and they'll be even better at home, of course. Yeah, they, I mean, it's always sort of the same case when you when you have teams from that sort of that area. Obviously, maybe not as far reaching as Azerbaijan um, in in the past, but they always they're always dangerous. 
um, and and they will cause Celtic trouble uh, as as they did last week. Obviously, we talk, talking about the park; it's not ideal, and I think when things like this happen, it's not necessarily the actual park or whatever that makes a difference. It's you know the players thinking, mm. you know, and it weighing on their minds uh, that makes a difference. So I think it'll be tricky for Celtic. I I still think they'll probably uh, get through. Um, and as I said last week, it's it's the round after where I would expect them to really come into some difficulty. I mean, I mean as you said, just said there about Carabag, I mean, you know, a very, you know, very, uh, you know, pass the ball very well, uh, and you know, at Parkhead, you know. Was ten men behind the ball, you know they were they were quite defensive, but you know they, as I said they passed the ball very well. Um, you know they're, they're a kind of different team from what you would really expect. Um, again, it's just it'll be it'll be a tough tie for Celtic, and you know you know um, as Matt was saying there, um, you know he said it was a really bad result for uh, for Celtic the the, the first leg. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the big thing we need to take into consideration here is that Celtic didn't concede. And um, you know, get any sort of goal over there. You know, it, it kind of finishes the tie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think if Celtic get the first goal, then that for me would probably be the game um, or the tie for Celtic. I think there's an argument the next goal is a winner possibly because if Carabag get it, pressure could really be on Celtic with I the think, home support behind them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that if Carabag were to score and if they were to score early in particular, then it could be a real tricky night for Celtic. But uh, if, if if Celtic were to get the the first goal. Um, then, I, then I believe they'll get through the tie. So, how do we see? How do we rate Celtic's chances of success on Wednesday? Do you think they need to score out there, Lewis? Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they could get the draw and and, and just and just hope that the Carvai don't score. But um, no, I think I think from Celtic's perspective, you know, they need to get that goal, and it's vital that they get that goal. And you know, from I, I, I don't think it's as hard a task as people are making out. Um, you know, they were defensive over at Parkhead and, you know, we'll now get to see, you know, they'll be forced to be a bit more attacking because they're at home, so we'll get to see, you know, how good how good they are attacking-wise, I think. Would Ronnie Dyla be under severe pressure if Celtic were to crash out in Baku on Wednesday? I think it's a, it's a tough one for myself, you know. I look at these games and, you know, obviously, for the whole of, of Scottish football and for Celtic, I want to see them get through. But I don't think it's a... An understatement to say that we all know that these matches are very, very tough, um, but that the, there will be that expectation in the fans that the Celtic, you know, just get through because, and it's not because you know of who they're playing; it's just because of what's gone on in the years before. I think it's important to highlight that, that these matches are getting tougher and tougher as the years go on, but um, it would put under a lot of pressure, and you know, it's a shame because it had you know there been. A kind of maybe slightly more competitive top end of the of the Premiership in terms of a real somebody that you know will a hundred percent challenge Celtic all the way, like then, Rangers perhaps. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> if, if we were sitting here today knowing that Aberdeen were going to push them all the way, then they've got a real kind of title battle to look forward to. Whereas I think we we all can expect Aberdeen to be up there, but we don't think they're going to push them. The full length, and keeping that competitive nature within within the game, and of course, you know you want to be able to get into that the group stages and, and play the top teams in Europe, um, and that has to be the aim. So, yeah, I suppose it would put him under a lot of pressure. Matt, you clearly think that he's he's under pressure as well if he if they go out on Wednesday. Yeah, I think um, I think last year he got away with it because he was new to the job, but the Celtic fans didn't take to him really until the turn of the year. Um, 
I think if if they were to crash out at this stage to a team that's relatively unknown in the in the European scale, I mean, but I think um, I I think if if they were to go out, the pressure would be on. But I don't think he'd get sacked immediately, obviously, because I think I think that would be a bit harsh. I think um, they really need to do something in Europe, and I think as Connor touched on it just a minute ago about it's getting more difficult for for teams to like the the fixtures are piling up at the start of the season and. I think the pressure on Scottish teams, especially Celtic, the pressure, it's all on them from a Scottish perspective. We need the coefficient up, but Celtic, just they need to qualify for the, for, the, for the main Champions League draw or at least do well in the Europa League like they did last year. Um, just for, them, for their own selves, really, just for, for the state of their fans, I think their fans would just be so angry without European football, I think, if, if they were to crash out before the start of the year and the pressure would have to be on Ronnie. Well, will the Celtic support be angry on Thursday? I want just a one word from each of you. Will Celtic be in the playoff round come Thursday morning? Yes, but I believe it will be extremely One tight. word, please, <laughs> Callum. Lewis? Yes. Matt? Yes. Connor? Yes. And it's yes from me as well. So the panel here clearly think the Celtic will make it, but I think all of us think it will be a bit of a, a challenge. Let's move on to Aberdeen now. They have their own big game on Thursday night against Kazakhstan's Kirat Almaty. What did you make of last week's game, Matt? Um, it was very difficult. Um, I think they, sh- they showed their class to uh, Almaty. Um, I think when it went 2-0, I mean, first off, the goals, we, we have to comment on the goals. I think both the goals, especially the second one, were just... Fantastic! Um, oh, it was an absolute cracker the second one. Yeah, and it was near enough forty yards um, out, and Danny Ward couldn't do a thing about them. But uh, or, or neither our defence really. Um, but I think I think when I went to now, I really feared for the worst. I thought we're in for a right hiding. Um, but the, we slow when we got the game. The, the strange thing about it, Almaty actually allowed Aberdeen to come come at them. I think they they believed that players like Timashuk could just kind of t- sweep the play up and. And he did at times, but Aberdeen had chances throughout that game. And the 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 goal is crucial. The away goal from Kenny McLean is, is so crucial. And that for me, that that actually makes Aberdeen favourites and to go through. I think if if we can just hold out and if we can get a goal early on, it's going to be a really really big crowd. I think um, I, I don't see why we can't go through. Connor, were you impressed with Kerat? I think they'll provide a another level of opposition that that maybe. You know, domestically we're not used to. They'll be tough, and as Matt said, you know they were quite happy to let Aberdeen come onto them. Um, they'll be even more happier probably to sit back at uh, this week. In fact, they'll probably be forced to. Um, and I, I do think that you know, although it's over two legs, that goal towards the end of the game, the the away goal. Um, kind of keeps momentum going Aberdeen's favour if they can make a good start and I don't necessarily mean scoring I mean just having maybe a couple of good chances early on to really get the belief going down Pataudry that or not belief because that'll already be there but you know put a bit of realism into it um, that this can happen I, I do expect Aberdeen to really have a right good go at it you know I'm not going to say they're going to do it because it'll be tough but you know I think there's definitely a chance that you know, come this time next week, we could be talking about Aberdeen in the next round. Over 15,000 tickets already sold for Thursday. Are we expecting a close-to-capacity crowd come kick-off, Matt? Um, yeah, well, I was in my, I was in getting my tickets today, actually, and um, the Pathology Club uh, the office actually said that the tickets were pretty much sold out. There was dots, basically, around the stadium where you could pick tickets. Um, 
Kaira won't be taking many fans across, so I think that's going to hinder the official attendance because they they will be situated in the corner where the away fans normally are. But what Aberdeen should have done, I think, to 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 sell more tickets to actually get a pretty much capacity crowd is just throwing them in like a, a little section of the corner of the main stand. They've done that before in the past, but. Um, no, I, th- I think we'll see about 18,000, which is near enough a sellout considering that 2,000 of the seats will be free because of the Kairat fans. Uh, well, here's hoping it's that sort of turnout because I think the, the Dons team could really do with that. Mm-hmm. How do we see Thursday's game going then, guys, or do the same thing we did with Celtic? Do we think Aberdeen will win the, the playoff round of the Europa League come yeah. Friday? Yes. Yes? Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm going yes as well. Wow, we, we do tuck up the Scottish game. It's not just a myth. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think they'll both be really tough. I don't know. Part of me part of me thinks when I look at each of them individually that they'll go through, but then when I think, will both teams be through? And I think uh, it's going to be so I tough. I think we're saying yes through our own hopes. Well, as always, we at Bus Ball would like to wish the very best to both Celtic and Aberdeen for this week's games. And here's hoping we still have two teams in European competition come next week's podcast. Time now for the Burst Bot Weekly Awards. We've had a bit of discussion in the studio earlier on about our team of the week. Do we want to kind of throw some names out there for the team of the week? Who, starting with the keeper, Danny Ward. Danny Ward for me, yeah. I think you're going Danny Ward as well, Matt. I am, but it's not just an Aberdeen. It's, I'm not being biased in any way here. I think um, that that performance on Saturday on Sunday, sorry, was brilliant. So yeah, I, I would definitely put him in there. My call was uh, Thomas Cherney. Ah, I know that's something you think you as well, Connor. But we've been one. we've been outvoted uh, <laughs> democracy <laughs> as in the bus ball studio. So um, Danny Ward and Nets right back Patterson. again. Between Tavernier and Patterson, I think. But I've got to go Tavernier for me. Not uh, again. Not kind of when Matt said Aberdeen. Not just because of Matt. Said Patterson. I thought Patterson. To be fair, I didn't see it. I saw his goal when he set up, but I didn't actually watch Patterson. I thought. Well, That's fair enough. I mean, as I've seen more of Tavernier than probably anyone here, so you, you know. Centre back pairing. My first name I threw out was Virgil Van Dyke. I thought I thought he was absolutely excellent on Saturday for Celtic, but I think we're struggling to find a, a partner for him at the back. Have we got any suggestions anywhere? I would I would throw out one of the uh, Dundee United pairings. Um, I thought, considering it was their debut, they they handled mm. the game very well. Donaldson um, and Dunnan both did. Yep, they both yeah, had either, good games. either either one of them. I, I don't think they actually. Had too many, too much kind of to well, deal with. To be honest, will we go Darnan? Will we go well. Darnan because he had that kind of chance to score? He had a decent header. I was going to say we've seen a wee bit more of him yeah. on the ball mm-hmm. as, as such. Hmm. So go Darnan and Van Dyke centre backs, mm-hmm. left back. What about um, Holt from Dundee? Maybe Tierney at I, Celtic. I, yeah, I, I, said, I thought Tierney. I thought uh, for for such a young player, I, th- I thought it was great. I think the only thing though, he only played sixty minutes, so that I might factor into it. I, I went for Holt purely because. Oh, he had a solid game, but also you know he got forward well, and I believe he, he put in that cross uh, for Rory Lloyd yes. to flick on mm-hmm. and get his goal. Um, so he's maybe had the more actual real impact in the, on a game over the weekend. That's that's why I, I, I would have went for him. What about the midfield? Probably Hearts and Dundee dominated this midfield. Harkins has got to be in there. I think you have to, Thompson as well. I think Harkins and Thompson for me definitely need to be in there. Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would make a case for Spittle at Dundee United as mm. well. I thought he was good. Mm. Maybe the end product I let him down as we touched on earlier. Yeah. Maybe that's stopping him being in the the bus ball eleven. I would actually um, put in and again it's not a biased thing. I would actually put Willow Flood. I thought he was the man of the match on on Sunday at the Aberdeen game. Um, 
and I'm not his biggest fan whatsoever, but I thought he, he was phenomenal, actually. He won every ball, he looked so up for it, but hey, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Can we think of any wingers that had a really good weekend? Uh, maybe put Stuart in, in the wing, although he kind of played up front. But mm. <laughs> I would, Again, personally, I would. Uh, Halliday's obviously playing a bit more central, but he had another cracking game um, for Rangers. Up top, we've got quite a few strikers. I think the boy Motherwell. Nah. It, was a, it was a decent debut. I think I mean, Rory Loy has to go. Rory yeah. Loy, I'm not saying uh, he has to be on the team, but like, I think Rory Loy would be in, and obviously Juanma as well at Hearts no. had a terrific <laughs> debut. They're your strikers right there. Yeah. So, has anyone else got any other suggestions that you think would take anyone out of that team? Or is that Kenny McQueen, maybe? Kenny McQueen. He's a centre mid. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> go attack him, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, we will move on now, and I'll ask you to select one player out of that team, player of the week. I know who I'm going for personally. I'm going for Harkins. I'm going for Stuart. Um, I think just uh, I've been so impressed with him. Um, so just uh, if he had some pace, I think he'd just be the, the perfect striker for me. Um, I was really impressed with Rory Loy. Actually, I thought his movement was good. Connor's giving me a smile there in the studio. Um, I think his movement was really good. I, I really liked his goal. Uh, I thought the finish was brilliant from a from a really good ball in. Um, and I think he. Looked to link up with Hemmings and Stewart uh, really well, uh, and looked dangerous. And I think he'll be he'll be a really really good player for Dundee this season. I was going to go for for, for Rory, but just put somebody else oh, different in there. I, I, I would have Rory, uh, my mate Rory. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I, I'll go for Wanma at Hearts. I, I, I think I don't know. I've just got a, a kind of sense of intrigue about him. Um, I, I think he could do very well. You really like him, don't you? I do. I mean, you know, you know I, likes I, him. I, I've not seen a lot about him, a, a lot of him, uh, obviously, but I just think looking at him, I think he'll be somebody that'll excite. And I suppose my intriguement this year goes right from across across hearts, to be honest, um, but but not, I'll, I'll go for him as my player of the week. Matt? Um, I'm going to go with Rory Loy. I thought he was just outstanding in that game. He linked up so well with the rest of the Dundee side, in, in particular Greg Stewart, so... No, Rory Loy is my, my player of the week. So that's Rory Loy, I think, player of the week. So congratulations. We'll, we'll keep a tally of these through the season. Don't applaud, Connor. Don't applaud. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep a tally of these for the season. Then we'll hopefully crown our, our player of the season. It'll probably be some random or from Hamilton or something by the end of the year. Goal of the week this week. Oh, we could pick any of the Dundee goals, couldn't you? I touched on it there. You know, Loy's for me was a great finish. Um, and I thought, as you said, all the Dundee goals were, were pretty special. Um yeah, for me it was Stuart's. I mean, twenty-five yards. I mean, um, I, I don't know how you can argue with that. I think. I, think I just Stewart's. really like the way Rory Loy finishes that ball in the box. I think I've told you that about ten times or something today. But <laughs> Strike, striking instincts. Any I'd, other I'd, any other goals you talk about? I'd like to make a case. I know again it'll come back to it, but uh, Aaron Muirhead's first goal hmm. at the weekend against. Yeah. Um, Still we had a look at that earlier on. It was, a, it was an absolute yeah. steamer. If you've not seen it, you can get it on YouTube. I think. Yeah, just. Search for the game basically yeah. against East Seven Five Now it was a free kick. It fell to the edge of the box, and he first time volleyed outside his foot, dipped, curled, I think it hit the underside of the bar, and went in the back of the net. And for a, a centre back to, to pull off that technique, I thought I did some else to it. And it was saying after the game, that's probably the best best goal he scored in his career. Nicholson's as well for Hearts, the winner, mm. just the sort of build up play and the ball. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I love that goal as well. Yeah. Mm. Who's it been a good week for? Our team of the week, I think it's pretty pretty safe who we're all going to say here. Dundee? Dundee, yeah. Dundee, yeah. Dundee are our team of the week, no discussion needed there. 
Who's it been a particularly bad week for? And try and try and stay away, stay away from the obvious answer, Kelly. Um, I think Everness personally. I think um, they just didn't look like anything, and obviously they've. Um, sorry, who was that again that broke his broke his leg? Uh, Gary Warren, yeah. Gary Warren, yeah. Sorry, um, uh, got the fact that he's out as well. Just just another just another lit injury, to be honest. There, and I think they're they're going to struggle, and I think this is the start of it. You could argue Cowden Beath, real bad week for them going. I know they were down to ten men, but losing to a team that they're hopefully, for their sake, going to be challenging this season in League One to go down so heavily must be must be a real a real blow for Colin Nash, especially in his kind of one of his first games as Cowden Beath manager. So those are our, our winners and losers this week. There's just enough time for our mystery player now before we go. Once again, just like last week, I'm looking for the player and also the club that I'm going to leave out from his playing career. Last week's answer, in case you weren't sure, was Ryan Stevenson. I think one person got that on Twitter and the mystery club was Air United. This week's player started his career with Ross County. He then crossed the Highland Divide and moved to Inverness. He then played for our mystery club and then Dundee United. So that's Ross County, Inverness, blank, then Dundee United. Any suggestions? Is, is Dundee United his last club? Like he retired after Dundee United, or is he at Dundee United just now? Or? Is it John Rankin? Oh! Have I got it? Yeah, he's got it. And yeah, the, um, the mystery club? Hibs. Hibs, well yep. played. Terrific, Matt, terrific. Well, what can we say to that? Well, played, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good way to go out for Matt. Um, that brings our weekly look at the world of Scottish football to a close. Thanks to our panel today, Lewis Kemp, Callum Fisher, Connor Park and Matt Finlay. I've been Hamish Carton and you've been listening to the Bus Bot Scottish Football Podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>